You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Broadcasting from a hidden rebel fortress long forgotten since the days of the Clone Wars, Commanders Michael Cohen, Matthew Krenke, and their daring crew lead a rebel cell dedicated to bringing you stories of adventure and excitement from across the galaxy. Join them for tales of heroes from the dawn of the Resistance stretching back to the Old Republic. Tales of Jedi and Sith, rebels and Imperials, technological terrors, and fantastic creatures. Legends so great, you won't believe them. But it's true. All of it. So what are you waiting for? Strap in and get ready to make the jump with Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast. Welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for our Forces of Destiny recap. I'm your host, Cassie Scutch, and today we're going to be talking about Season 1, Episode 15 of Forces of Destiny, titled The Hapabore Hazard. Uh, As always, we have a little bit of news to get to today. Not a whole ton. We only really have one story, but... Uh, it is something that's really that's really cool, uh, and it has to do with animation, which we love here at Rebel Cells, uh, and that is that we had the Star Wars Galaxy of Adventures uh, series announced, which is uh, kind of like Forces of Destiny. It's even shorter than Forces of Destiny, and they're short, little shorts uh, that have been posted on the also newly announced Star Wars Kids YouTube account um, that is just for kids, and and Galaxy of Adventures was announced, and then the first six episodes were released, and essentially what it is, if you haven't seen it, I imagine you guys have, but if you haven't, it is a, not a reimagining, but it's kind of a retelling of some of the uh, stories that have been told throughout movies, um, and it is it is an animated version, but they're using the original sound bites uh, and dialogue from the uh, Star Wars movies, which is really cool. Uh, first six episodes we had was, we had two Vader episodes, um, we had two Luke episodes, we had a Han and Chewie episode, and then we had an R2C3PO and Leia episode. And I love this. And it is so fantastic. Um, of course, I can't really speak too much about nostalgia because I am kind of a new wave of fan, but I did, you know, watch the original trilogy and the prequels when I was growing up kind of before, you know, before Disney bought Star Wars and Lucasfilm and before all that happened, you know, I've always been a Star Wars fan. And so, you know, growing up, I still, you know, Star Wars was a part of my life. So I got this awesome form of nostalgia watching these shorts because you're hearing the dialogue and sound effects from the movies, but it's done in this beautiful animation style that is honestly when... This is kind of 
on topic, off topic, um, when Star Wars Resistance was announced and they said that it was going to be kind of an anime, uh, it was going to be a 2D anime style, the style that they are using for Galaxy, Galaxy of Adventures is what I had imagined for Resistance, and it is my favorite style that they have done in all of animation, and I I love the 3D that they have done uh, with the Clone Wars, and I think you know if if it was like a ranking, it would be it would be Galaxy of Adventures, the Clone Wars, Rebels, and then Resistance Forces of Destiny uh, are kind of on the same page as far as just like the animation style and how I feel about it, and I think that is something to be noted is that this is such a it's so pretty. If you haven't seen it, please watch it because it's stunning and it's got this soft feel to it, but it's also, you know, it definitely reminds me of certain animes I have seen. I really, I really wish they would do uh, something else with this style that they're doing because it's so pretty uh, and I loved watching them, you know, all of the, the new Galaxy of Adventures episodes. Um, and I also really liked with them uh, that they didn't stray away from violence. Uh, one of the Vader episodes was the uh, scene in Rogue One of him slaughtering rebels uh, on the Tana 4. And they did not stray away from violence like they have, you know, recently with Resistance, which I really, I, I, I have mixed feelings about because the, it is on Star Wars kids, but I also, you know, it is part of Star Wars. That is what it is called. It is Star Wars. Um, and they weren't afraid of that, and I appreciated that, and I think that it is... It is important to stay true to what Star Wars is by keeping that, um, and I think part of the reason they they did that is because they they're releasing these on YouTube. These are not on mainstream, you know, television, so they can kind of get away with things like that. But I was really surprised to click onto that episode, and it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't graphic, but it was, you know, Vader slaughtering rebels, and it it was awesome to see them do that. Um, I loved every single episode of uh, Galaxy Adventures. We had uh, Vader slaughtering rebels. We had just like Vader walking around, which I thought was a little weird. Um, we have R2 and C-3PO taking the plans from Leia in A New Hope. Uh, we had Luke at the beginning of A New Hope, kind of on his land speeder and such. We had Luke in the Wampa's lair, and then we had Han and Chewie kind of uh, fixing the Falcon and trying to run from Imperials, which was cool. Like, all of it was so cool. I feel like that's how I explain everything, um, but that's how I feel. <laughs> I would have liked to see a little bit more. Uh, I would have liked to see things from different time periods and not just the original trilogy, although it was really awesome to get to see these uh, reimaginings of the original trilogy because I don't feel like they have been really touching inside of the era. You know, obviously we've gotten, obviously Rebels is right before, but we haven't gotten much with Han, Luke, and Leia within that time period. And even though uh, these episodes here are still, you know, the story that we have already gotten there, it's really cool to see because I don't think we've gotten a whole ton of that. And I think that's a great way for Lucasfilm to introduce those stories to a younger audience who hasn't grown up 
with it. And so I'm, I'm just so excited to see more of this. Um, I'm hoping they go back in touch with the prequel era, maybe uh, come back into, you know, where we're at right now with the sequels. Um, but I also don't mind if they stay with the original trilogy because I don't think anybody could ever complain about uh, getting to see Han, Luke, and Leia again, or Vader again, obviously. Um, and so nobody think I'm complaining about that because I love it. I can't wait to see what else they have and I can't wait to see what they're gonna do with this. Not really do with it, I kinda know where it is and it's just these little shorts. But then they, you know, they even come in here, they had like three episodes of uh, Star Wars Facts, uh, which I love. Like they're definitely taking advantage of this online platform that is being used a lot by kids nowadays. If you have a kid, uh, if you have a younger kid, kind of ages, uh, I don't know, three to eight, you know what they're watching on YouTube. You see, you know, them getting on an iPad or what they're doing on YouTube. And this is a great way for Star Wars to really take advantage of that. And it's a great way to introduce those kids to Star Wars. So I'm, I'm just really a big fan of this. I loved it. The moment I saw the trailer from it, I... I, I don't know, I just, it's one of those few things that was like, very much like, yes, I'm very much into this. I'm so excited for this. Like, I haven't gotten that way with uh, things being announced for Star Wars in a long time. And I think it's kind of a weird uh, thing that this is kind of what got me super excited when it hasn't happened as of late. But I think that this is like, Galaxy of Adventures is just really something very similar to what we've seen with Forces of Destiny, but it's done a different way, and I love it. Okay, I'm rambling. I'm going on and on about the exact same thing, but, you know, I really like it. <laughs> and it's also really cool because we've gotten two different shorts, uh, kind of short series being announced and started up uh, within, like, the last month. You know, we had Star Wars Lego All-Stars announced a couple weeks ago, and then the episodes were just dropped right away, and that's kind of what happened here with the Galaxy of Adventures, too, and I appreciate that they're not letting us sit and wait for this, especially because it's just they're just shorts, and they definitely could have announced it and then had it be, you know, a couple months out like they did uh, with Forces of Destiny. I don't remember exactly what the timeline was with Forces of Destiny, but I feel like we had to wait a little bit for it to premiere and start up after we found out about it. Uh, so I appreciate that they are not making us wait for these, especially because they are so beautiful and I love them so much and again just so excited to see what else and that's really all we had for news this week so let's go ahead and get on to the episode calculate the jump chop <laughs> how is my boyfriend doing maybe I can help you I am Boba Fett what was that what was what the throwing and the falling over there don't think about it. Kenobi. Ahsoka! Kenobi! Hand it over, Ewok. No! So you mean to tell me you were staging a rescue, not attempting to hijack a Jedi starship? You're welcome! 
Now, it's time for the Rebel Cells. Episode Recap. Ray travels to the concession stand in Nima Outpost to take up a job to haul a pile of scrap heap for Uncle Plot, who is offering ten portions. Platten initially dismisses Ray's offer since she is a lone scavenger. Undaunted, Ray tells him to give her the coordinates so that she can prove him wrong. Platt reluctantly gives her the coordinates but places a collateral on her speeder if she fails the errand. Ray responds by placing a bet of 20 portions since she is risking her speeder. Platt laughs at her and warns her not to damage his speeder. Ray travels on her speeder to the site, which turns out to be a wrecked quadrat tra- transfer sub-tug. She finds a habitable lying beside the space tug. Realizing that Plutt is setting her up to fail, Ray tries to get the creature to move. She tries to push the habitable up, but the creature struggles to move. Ray then realizes that the habitable is having trouble breathing because something is blocking its nose. Stealing herself, Ray digs into the creature's nose and retrieves a piece of machinery that was obstructing its nasal passage passage. After shaking off the Hapabor's goo, Ray decides to tow the space tug back to Nima outpost with her speeder, but the machine is too heavy. Fortunately for Ray, the grateful Hapabor helps her push it back to Nima outpost. Unkar Plutt is dismayed to see that Ray has successfully accomplished her errand with the help of the Hapabor. A smug Ray tells the junk dealer that he owes her 20 portions. Alright, so we're back with another Ray episode, and I've got to be honest here, I feel like every episode that we've had with Ray has kind of been a bummer. Um, And I kind of, I understand that they need to do episodes with Ray, uh, especially to engage uh, the younger audience who, that's who they know, that's their Star Wars, she is the main character, and that is their hero. Um, And I understand that, I get that, totally get it, and I love seeing Ray. But I feel like they're not really able to tell very good stories with her at this point uh, because we don't have stuff from in between, you know, any of the major points of her character, kind of. And we're only really able to backtrack and tell a little bit of her backstory, but even there, uh, we're not able to delve into that quite as much because her backstory is purposefully shrouded in uh, uncertainty and nobody really knows what's going on so any kind of episode that we have with Ray kind of just seems to fall a little bit flat Um, and we've gone from the beginning of Forces of Destiny on this little journey not only just with the characters that we have here because obviously they're one-shot type episodes and we're not really getting we're not moving with one character but we have kind of progressed with these storytellers and their stories kind of evolving to be a little bit more interesting and a little bit more than just about one thing and like where we start in a destination and I feel like every time we come back to an episode with Ray we kind of backtrack and we aren't we don't get the more interesting episodes with her um and again that's totally because we they we still don't know a whole lot about her and they can't let us know a whole ton about her and we don't have as much of a web to create with her character and i think that's a lot of where it comes from is that with the other episodes and with the other characters not only are we able to tell a story but we're able to call in other things kind of easter eggs and different parts of their character and their story and bring that into the episode and make it a lot more interesting uh but we don't have that with ray and i'm sure if they did forces of destiny 10 years from now ray's episodes would be awesome 
but they're not. They're doing these episodes before we know everything about her character. And maybe since they know more about her character than we do, if we come back to these episodes of Forces of Destiny in 10 years, we'll totally be able to pick out things that are like, oh, that's because she blah, blah, blah. And all, you know, we have things that are able to build on each other. Um, but we don't get a lot of that here and I think that's that's where I kind of drop off with Force of Destiny is when we do have these episodes that feel like they're repeating themselves with other episodes and I think that this episode definitely does um, and this very much feels uh, like another Ray episode we had at the beginning uh, where the Nightwatch Worm comes back and kind of assists her in a, in a fight against somebody else because she had helped it out um it reminds me of the episode of bba bandits which is episode two i had to look it up for a second but uh we get that um and that's a lot of what we have where it was oh no there's a problem i'm gonna help you oh look you helped me with my problem um and so it's just harder to like these episodes than it is with other ones just because they are not as interesting to those of us who do care about the larger story and are um a little bit more invested in star wars um and that's not to say that i didn't see things in this episode that had kind of connections to other things i've seen with ray but those are all very much things that you have to uh have known and that that is kind of the uh if anybody's read the before the awakening novel uh came out right after the force awakens came out i remember i read it on an airplane when i was on the way to my aunt's wedding um but in that uh ray did have two friends i forget their names oh i wish i remembered their names but she did she had two friends and she had found a, a broken down ship and so she uh, started fixing up the ship so that she could sell it and eventually her friends started helping her and you know they all promised they were going to split the profit but then one day she came by and her friends had stolen it and they were off planet and they were gone and all this work that she had done to try to repair this ship had been just completely gone it was gone she didn't have it anymore and so the kind of part where Ankar was saying you know you don't have any friends. Uh, that's the only thing that I really saw that was a kind of connection to something else. But it's very true. Her friends left. Uh, they stole her. They stole her uh, ship and they left. And it was her ship. She had found it first. Um, and they came in and helped her. She couldn't very much say, you know, no, you can't help me because they were just going to steal it if she didn't say that but you know that's again that's really the only thing we have that connects with it um I did like though that we did just get to see a little bit about the Habibor um not really a whole ton but we did have a little bit of an interaction with it which we didn't get in The Force Awakens you know 
obviously, for obvious reasons, why would we? But it was in the background there. Uh, it was drinking the water when Finn was running to drink the water. And it was definitely a creature we hadn't seen yet. Um, so I like that we get to explore those character, those creatures that are new and that we are learning about them. And we've gotten to learn, we've learned about quite a few uh, new creatures with forces of destiny and most of the time they are with Rey and that might have to do a little bit with the fact that we don't have a whole lot uh, with her character to really explore and so we kind of have to rely on these creatures to make it a little bit more interesting but I think that that doesn't really matter as much. I just wanted to lay that out kind of a little bit with this episode is that you know that's kind of something that uh, is a little bit undesirable and again if this was done in 10 years, it would be totally different. Uh, but also with Ankara, you know, saying she can't do it by herself and she doesn't have any friends, um, it did foreshadow a little bit that we were going to get some kind of help. Um, and she did make a friend in this episode, sort of, with the Hapabor. And I think that was, they always do have a little bit at the beginning that foreshadows, you know, he said she can't do it by herself and she couldn't do it by herself, but she did, she found somebody to help her. And it's kind of the point of the episode is that she helped him and he helped her. And I really appreciate going into this episode and kind of looking at her character a little bit more. I really appreciate the confidence that she walked up to Plut stand with and that she said, you know, I want to do this job. I'm going to do this job. And she, you know, doubled down. She was like, I am going to do this. I'll bet my speeder on it, but you got to give me extra money if I do it. And I really, I, it made me start to think about not only just Ray's character but other female characters within Star Wars and then relating that to other ways that we have girls portrayed in anything else. And I was starting to think a little bit about how you do not see uh, characters in Star Wars, female characters especially, who are not confident. They all have this confidence and they know what they're doing and they they don't doubt themselves and they just go for it. So if you really look at anything else, you know, a lot of the girls portrayed in anything else are shy or they're, you know, insecure, unsure, you know, they don't know what they're doing. The lessons being taught in a lot of other things are don't be afraid to do things. And here, you know, our characters already aren't afraid. And I think that's a really important kind of distinction that we have that has been made uh, with Forces of Destiny is that our characters are not ever really afraid to do anything. They always just go for it. I think that being confident is innate, and I think that being not confident is something that has been learned, and that's something that we grow up seeing, and we're told that we shouldn't be confident, and I'm getting a little feminist and preachy here, and I don't mean to ever, um, but that's, I mean, kind of why I'm here. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of, you know, you shouldn't be so sure of yourself. You shouldn't be confident. You shouldn't feel like you know what you're doing because you don't. You know, there's something, you'll mess something up. And none of these characters have that. None of our characters 
sit down. They're they're not apprehensive. Or if they are apprehensive, it's for a different reason other than the fact that they don't think they can do it or they don't have the confidence in themselves to do something. You know, it's something else logistically. And I think that's, I think that's just an important thing that I kind of realized today uh, watching this episode and realizing that is just we have these strong characters. I think that's really what it means to be a strong character. You know, we talk about strong female characters, but I don't think we really ever talk about what that means. Um, And I think it kind of clicked for me today. I think we all kind, I think we know what it means, but I don't think we've ever, I don't, at least I haven't really thought thought to sit down and apply it. I always thought that that meant you know, somebody who can fight, somebody who can be just as good as the boys, you know, somebody who's smart. I never really thought about it in terms of just being confident and believing in yourself. (laughs) And this sounds super preachy and super, you know, Disney Channel, but I definitely think that I understand it a little bit better after kind of watching this episode and thinking over it the way I did. Um, And just thinking about what it means for those characters and what it means to be teaching those values and how that is different than how these characters are even different than a character in something else who accomplishes something that's amazing and and outranks the boys and all this because our characters always think that they can and and they're not very much you know, self-conscious. They're not worried about it. And I I don't know. That was just something that kind of hit me today and I I think it makes me appreciate Forces of Destiny a hundred times better. And I didn't I didn't think that that was possible because I, I always love Forces of Destiny. But I think that I finally kind of, I kind of finally realized exactly what it was for. I mean, I knew that we were here to empower girls and show that girls can do things too. But I didn't really... Uh, think exactly about what that meant and I think it's it's an important distinction to make and I think that's an even more important lesson to learn than the if you help somebody else they'll help you back or outsmarting your enemy or being able to improvise those things it's so it's so much more than that on just kind of like a baseline level because it's every episode I'm just really surprised that that's something that just kind of hit me today and I'm I'm a little angry at myself that I'm I'm here talking about it every week and I kind of just now got that Anyway, that's enough of that. I feel like I've talked myself in circles like always. One more thing I, or one or two more things I kind of wanted to touch on a little bit um, because I was a little uh, kind of not confused, but I was just like, huh, how did she know how to do that? Like, why did she know that he had something in his nose? Obviously, she saw that by, you know, walking around and seeing that there was something obstructing his nasal passage. But I was kind of confused at how she knew that something was wrong and he wasn't just sleeping. And I was kind of sitting there and I was, I was like, well, kind of Mary Sue of them. And then, you know, I reminded myself that well, why is, why do people say that Ray is Mary Sue? And it's because she uses the force and we're not used to that a lot. And I think that we learned throughout Rebels kind of what, with Ezra's being able to bond with animals and kind of connect with them, um, we kind of learned a little bit more about that kind of uh, situation and kind of the empathy and understanding that a force user is able to have uh is able to have with animals. And so I think that subconsciously she was 
able to sense that there was something wrong. Uh, and I think that that's interesting. I think that that is something that definitely isn't going to come across to the general audience. But if you are like us here at Rebel Cells, uh, you kind of can pick up on those things. And um, I think that's also kind of the reason why the Habibor knew to help her and knew that she needed help. And even even maybe she kind of forced him to do that. Um, without knowing that, or maybe not forced him, but connected and bonded with him, and he saw that she needed help, and it's just another kind of layering on and showing us that she is a force user, um, she just doesn't know it, and I think that that is something that they did on purpose here for this episode, and or maybe they didn't, but like I've said, I know Lucasfilm, we all know Lucasfilm, and we know they don't ever do anything without there being a purpose to it. And as I was scrolling through the YouTube comments on this video, there was somebody who had commented, you know, saying, I don't know why she didn't take the speeder or the ship and try to sell that. It's definitely worth more than 20 portions, and it kind of, that did have me thinking a little bit about, you know, she did, you know, previously in Before the Awakening. And maybe, maybe this is before before the awakening or maybe it's after but I imagine that this is after where she had fixed up the ship and I was thinking well what keeps her from fixing it up again or why wouldn't she sell it but I think that there's like two different things there I think she's very much dejected and she doesn't really feel like putting the effort in again for just somebody to steal it and then I was also you know if Plutz kind of, I think he already owns this piece of scrap. I think that's kind of the deal here, um, that it is his. He has bought it from somebody, but they have not brought it to him, um, and that's kind of part of the deal he had with somebody else, and I think she knows that, and I think she knows that if she steals from Plut, bad things are coming her way, and so even though that uh, hunk of scrap, the, you know, broken ship, is definitely worth more than 20 portions. She's not gonna risk going around Plutt because he's the only one there. He's, you know, he's the head honcho. He's the only way she's getting fed. But that was just like one little thought that I thought I would explain or kind of give my thoughts on. Um, but we don't really have all that much left with this episode. So I think we're gonna go ahead and uh, get done here. Uh, next week, we are doing season one episode uh, 16, which is Crash Course, and that is the last episode of season one, um, and I'll remind you again next week, but I will be taking a couple weeks off, uh, between season one and season two, uh, just because it is winter break, so I will be with family, and it also, um, as I've mentioned a few times, I dance, uh, and so it is nutcracker time, uh, it's really hectic, in fact, I had, like, four hours of rehearsal right before I recorded this, um, I'm really tired, uh, and so, you know, the next couple weeks of my life is really hectic, um, and so, uh, we will, I'll be back in the new year, in 2019, but, uh, we will be taking a little bit of a break here for, uh, the Forces of Destiny recap, I don't know, uh, what Matt and Mike are doing over there at the, uh, Resistance recap, but, uh, that's kind of, where we're ending here but we still have one more episode which is crash course um so as always you can stay up to date and all the latest in star wars animation by heading to rebelcells.com you can also follow us on facebook 
or you can also add us on Facebook at facebook.com slash rebelspodcast and on Twitter at rebelspodcast. And now on Instagram at rebelcells, I just now got caught up with uh, Matt and Mike's podcast, which I feel really bad about that I haven't uh, been caught up with it. But if you guys listen to this every week, you know that I am always pretty late putting this episode, my episodes out. So I don't always have time to do everything, which I I am working on. But I I watched, I listened to every single one of Matt and Mike's episodes in the last week. Um, so now I know that we have an Instagram at Rebel Cells. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Cassie Sketch. That's C-A-S-S-I-E-S-C-U-T-C-H. And of course, we're part of the Thunderquack Network. Head to thunderquack.com to check out all the other podcasts in the network. And if you'd like to support us, you can do that in two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch, or by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack to pledge your support. Your monthly pledge gives you access to cool exclusives like the Thunderquack podcast and the Thunderquack quack group on facebook which let me tell you has some of the best memes i have ever seen i showed one to my dad today and he died laughing which he doesn't do for memes often so just putting that out there um but anyway like i said that's all we have next week that for this week but we'll be back next week for the last episode of season one which is crash course mm-hmm.